It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Our biggest takeaways and highlights from Vikings joint practices with the 49ers. It's coming up next on Superior Sports Talk. Carol 11 sports anchor Reggie Wilson covers the Twin City sports scene nonstop. Luke Inman is ready to put him on the hot seat. That's what you're going to do to me. Instant analysis. Yanked. Out you go. Post-game breakdowns and red-hot takes. The Timberwolves need a stitch. Reggie and Luke give you a daily dose of Minnesota sports with superior sports talk. Part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. And it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode, Superior Sports Talk, presented by Locked On Sports Minnesota. Going to the bullpen with my guy, Sam Ekstrom. Sammy's always warmed up. He's ready to throw some heat. Hey, big show lined up. You ready to get into all the news and notes from yesterday's scrimmage with the 49ers? No doubt about it. I got my Trey Lance takes locked and loaded. Let's do it. Yes, sir. Remember, follow along on the Lockdown Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button there. And on Twitter, give us a follow at Lockdown M-I-N. And remember, we're a podcast too, free and available on all platforms. Subscribe, drop us a five-star review, and take us everywhere on the go so you never miss any of the action. All right. To football we go, 20 days until week one of the NFL season kicks off, and the Vikes kicked off their first of two joint practices with the San Francisco 49ers in town as they wrap up training camp today and prep up for their second preseason game Saturday. And if you were on Twitter yesterday or social media, it was the JJ Show. Justin Jefferson, the hype continues to rise to nearly record-setting Hall of Fame proportions now. It's getting out of control. He was out there making DB look silly all day from the clips I saw but Sam you were there out at the friendly confines of TCO practice facility so excuse me here for a second I'm going to put you on the hot seat pick your brain here for the next 10 minutes I along with all the people listening watching from home we want to know three biggest takeaways from your time at practice yesterday what did we learn and it could be different looks and formations we haven't seen yet uh, specific players that balled out a certain splash play that kind of wowed you your three biggest takeaways from yesterday well let's start with JJ he was good he was really good he was definitely the preferred target he was the target that kept getting open he scored touchdowns he made clutch catches during the two-minute drills he was dominant in one-on-ones. He's a pretty nice player. He's a pretty nice player, Luke Inman. Now, I pretty will uh, blanket it with this. Not too bad. Let me say this, though. The 49ers secondary is maybe not too good. I mean, I it's not a very recognizable secondary from like a name uh, recognition standpoint. Richard Sherman's not there anymore, obviously. And they had a couple of injuries. Traverius Ward, out. Emmanuel Mosley, out. They don't, they don't have uh, Jaquiski Tart around there anymore either. So you're you're dealing with Ambry Thomas guarding Adam Thielen. You know, that's not going to work out very well for Ambry Thomas. You've got Liamador Lenore guarding Justin Jefferson a lot of times. That's not going to work very well for Liamador. So you don't love the matchups if you're San Francisco. That being said... You're going to have those matchups in the regular season where you have a clear advantage at wide receiver and guys are hurt, and you, you are going to have to exploit that. And to their credit, the Vikings did. So I thought Justin Jefferson looked the part. Really, really dominant. Trey Lance for San Francisco. Um, if you had asked me after seven-on-sevens, 
I would have said he was the next Pat Mahomes. I mean, the guy, the way he moves so fluidly, the way he can effortlessly throw bullets downfield, including one bomb about 60 yards in the air. Man, I was having I was having flash forwards to like Super Bowls with this guy in San Francisco. Then 11 on 11 started, the pass rush got going, the congestion increased significantly. And I didn't feel like he was quite as sharp. So maybe not quite there yet. I can pump the brakes on Trey Lance. But it doesn't take away, Luke, his comfort level, uh, his mobility, his cannon arm. All of those intangibles seem there to me. Maybe just a little decision-making, a little accuracy that needs to be refined. But again, he's only had two starts in the NFL. He carries himself really well. And I had a moment yesterday, Luke, where... I just happened to be walking out of practice about 10 steps behind Trey Lance. Trey Lance walks through the threshold into the autograph area. Boom! Just hit with a wave of screams. Trey! Trey! I mean, the, the guy seems to be beloved already. He hasn't even done anything, and people absolutely love him. They, I guess they might have been Minnesota cheering Minnesota boy, I think. A local boy, right? Marshall, yeah. Minnesota, I believe. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, people call me Trey sometimes, too, so they might have been calling for my autograph. But um, <laughs> uh, So that's my Trey Lance take. I think he's he's got every tool that you want. And then lastly, while I was watching Trey Lance in the 11s, I really liked the pass rush the Vikings were bringing. They were collapsing the pocket on, on Lance a decent amount with their edge guys. Zadarius and Daniil got home three, four times, including around Trent Williams. So I was really uh, excited to see that. I believe Mike McGlinchey was the other tackle, and, and McGlinchey has been destroyed by the Vikings before. Um, but again, that's great. That's great to know. If you have two edge rushers that can get home and one of the tackles maybe isn't very good, that's a huge advantage for you. That forces teams to use a tight end in, in blocking and burn like a, an extra player just to contain you. So I really like the pass rush as well. So J.J. Good, Lance a lot of potential pass rush good for the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, absolutely loved Lance coming out of NDSU, but never in my wildest dreams, even after all the mock drafts, all the film watching, did I think he was going to go third overall. Niners and Shanahan invested a lot to move all the way up to third overall and draft this kid out of the small school. So they're really committed, obviously, to developing him and progressing him. Hey, so what's the deal with Jimmy G? Does he even show up to these things? Is he there? Is he in pads? Does he take reps? Is he nowhere to be found what's the jimmy g status here real quick yeah jimmy g is sitting in bubble wrap somewhere i assume not in minnesota i don't think he made this trip um their backups are uh nate sudfeld and brock purdy brock purdy is their third quarterback i uh, didn't see jimmy g he's listed as fourth on their depth chart so they're not even trying to disguise the fact that he's got one foot out the door Luke, I don't know where they're going to find a, a taker for him. Now, unless someone gets hurt, which is entirely possible, there's not a clear spot, I don't think, for him to land at this point. Um, so that that's a pretty curious one. Are they just going to have to eat that salary this year? and just sit, like At what point does San Francisco go groveling back to Jimmy and say, hey, can you be our backup, please? Just come to practice, make the money, be a good sport. I don't know how that's going to work. It's an awkward situation. 
Yeah, the injury situation is the only way. There's just no other way right now when you look at all 32 teams starting quarterback and their depth willing to eat and take on that monster contract that Jimmy G's got right now. So you saw Zach Wilson go down with the scare. Looked like he was going to be lost for the season. People are already chalking that up. All right, Jets got to trade for Jimmy G now. Certainly could happen. Still a lot of preseason football to be played. Certainly you don't hope for an injury by any means, but that I think you're right is the only way Jimmy G ends up getting moved here. Brock Purdy by by the way, the pride of Iowa State. Yeah, all in all, it felt like the Vikings looked sharp in the majority of phases. They didn't look lost or overmatched despite going up against some elite talent, despite the secondary, which you mentioned was pretty banged up. But you still got Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, Trent Williams, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, some high-end talent there. But you're right, JJ stole the show. This hype and expectations now are literally, it's to be the best wide receiver in football, to surpass Devontae Adams, surpass Cooper Cup, and be the number one guy in the NFL. And from what we've seen the last two years now with KOC calling the shots, it certainly could happen from what we've seen and gleaned on during this offseason, OTA's training camp. So what's the one thing that could hold JJ back? Because the way people are already talking, it's already a done deal. Like it's already like he's caught 140 balls and surpassed 2,000 yards. What outside of injury, I guess the easy answer, could slow down or hold JJ back from reaching this next tier level as a wide receiver in this league? Um, I guess just all the hype, all the attention, and all the accolades lead to intense game plans against him. Um, mm -hmm. that's, that bodes well for the Vikings still, I think, if teams want to devote those resources to Justin. But I can't believe that teams would be devoting any more his way than they already have been. I mean, by the second half of his rookie year, he was already seeing brackets and doubles. He saw it all last year. I mean, it's not like teams were just ignoring him. People weren't snuck up on by Justin in year two. So to think that it's going to be any different in year three, I think is probably a little naive. I think we're going to see what we've been seeing. Now, I will say, Luke, that there were times last year where the Vikings did struggle to get him the ball. Um, part of that, probably a little bit of play calling, a little bit of Kirk, a little bit of uh, defensive coverage. So there were difficulties in getting Justin the ball for a couple quarters at a time. And yet he still got 1,600 yards, like still still produced. So mm -hmm. I don't see a whole lot slowing him down tactically, like on the field. I, I, I think injury is the only thing that can do it. And if teams decide to cover him up with two, three defenders, you got Adam Thielen and K.J. Osborne. So I think the Vikings offense is primed to be really good this year. Just a matter of how healthy can you stay. You know, it's not unheard of for guys in this league to be triple covered. The problem with that is you mentioned Thielen and Osborne, Irv Smith, all these other options, Amir Smith-Marset, you name it. But it's really it's Dalvin Cook not being able to put that extra man in the box and giving Dalvin Cook some breathing room and extra lanes and room to move. So a lot of options that we're starting to see unfold. We saw it all on paper, all offseason. We said, man, it looks like a lot of potential, a lot of talent. But now we're actually starting to see it unfold against live opponents. I don't know much, but I do know this. JJ's been eating his Built Bars. Built Bar made with collagen protein. It's easily digestible and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED. 
15. Yeah, we want to know from you. Who do you think standing out in practice as of late? Go comment on the YouTube channel. Let us know what you think. 20 days until week one of the NFL season. Rest assured, Sam, Reggie, Ron, and I, we all got you covered every step of the way, every day on Locked On Sports Minnesota, which you can now find streaming on your Roku device. So be sure to look out for our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. Pretty cool. All right. To baseball we go, and go figure, Sam. We haven't chatted baseball in probably over a week, but Reggie and I have been saying, you know, as soon as this fan base was ready to bury this Twins team, ready to call it quits, go figure. They go in three in a row. Granted, versus a really bad Royals team, I think they started, what, seven rookies in their lineup. But nonetheless, wins are wins. They all count the same. Two shutouts in the series. Twins allowed just two total runs in three games combined. They also got the bats cooking a little bit, scored nine runs Tuesday for the first time in 19 games. So, Sam, I asked Reggie this yesterday. I want to get your opinion. What's been more impressive during this little stretch here in your mind, the pitching or the hitting? I, I think I look to the pitching mainly for the bullpen. Um, yesterday, mm -hmm. Tyler Malley exits in the third inning. Let me stop right there. That's a big concern. I mean, Tyler Malley has to be healthy for this stretch run. And when you lose, what, seven, eight miles an hour on your fastball just out of the blue like that, that's a concern. So I'm worried about that. Now, putting the negativity behind me, the bullpen showed up. Emilio Pagan actually showed up in, in a role that I think that he should be in, which is sort of middle relief, um, maybe a little bit of cleanup duty if your starter can't go far into the game. He got him through a couple innings, and then the back end of the bullpen was brilliant the entire series. 26 scoreless innings to end that series. The hitting was, you know, Luke, it was, it was clutch. Like, they got a lot of base hits, which I like to see. I like to see the lineup kind of move in, up and down, everybody get involved instead of just waiting for the one person to hit a home run. Uh, they did that to rally on uh, Monday. They got a lot of base hits yesterday, you know, to add to that lead, make it 3-0, 4-0, and then obviously, what, 16 hits on Tuesday night. So uh, I don't mind seeing a team hit singles once in a while. That's kind of like, that's momentum-building baseball. Everybody feels like they're involved. Everybody feels like the bat is working. So I like to see what the offense produced as well, but I'm pumped about the back end of that bullpen. Caleb Thielbar has been excellent. Yes. Fulmer has come out and been really good. Uh, Lopez gave, it, gave him a little scare on Monday, I believe it was. Got bailed out by a big defensive double play. Got, got the Twins the win there. Um, so yeah, after you know an L.A. road trip that gave them upset stomach, the Royals were the Alka-Seltzer that they needed. And now another struggling team in the Rangers who just fired their manager and front office are coming into town. Another chance to, to build up some wins as the Guardians are creeping back to the pack here. Yeah, can never just be good news with this team. Always take the good with the bad. Twin sweep the Royals. But like you mentioned, lose Tyler Malley yesterday. Arm soreness. His velocity, as you mentioned, clearly off. Fastball, I think, barely hitting 90 miles an hour. So they yanked him early. And the hope is there's no ligament damage. It's just fatigue. I don't know if you've heard anything as of late. Shelf him probably, I would think, at least a month of action. And we all know that could not come at a worse time right now. So you've got Malley out. And on the other side, you've got your big three hitters carrying the team most of the year, right? Luis Arise, Carlos Correa, Byron Buxton. And I'll even throw in Jose Miranda, who's just been in fuego at times here these last few weeks, and even dating back to the beginning of the season. So which player or two needs to step up, though, from here at this point moving forward and go from unknown, you know, role guy to being a, a you know, a core foundational piece of this lineup, kind of an unsung hero, if you will, if they want to get hot 
and go on a serious run and win this division. For me, Nick Gordon's been tremendous. I, I think he's really started to come along this season. Just has been getting more and more consistent at the plate. Double off the wall yesterday for an RBI. He may not be an obvious one. I may be digging a little bit there, but I really love what Gordon has added to the lineup these last few weeks. How about you? Maybe an unsung hero, a player that needs to kind of rise to the occasion and take some pressure off those big three, four guys. Yeah, for sure. Well, the two players that already have risen, you named one of them, actually you named both of them, Jose Miranda and Nick Gordon have kept this team afloat. And I know they, they've been kind of sinking below the surface here a little bit, but if not for Gordon and Miranda, where are they? They're probably buried in third place. Those two have been the ones to step up in place of injured twins and provide a much-needed offensive lift for an offense that has has kind of scuffled a bit here in the middle part of the season. Miranda is one of the best hitters in baseball since the All-Star break. And Nick Gordon, who everybody profiled early in the season, they said, this guy is a, a light singles hitter. He strikes out a, a lot, doesn't have power. And now he he's regularly getting the ball to the wall or over the wall. He's actually got he's home raking. run power. Yeah, he's mm -hmm. raking. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's been enormous. So now you've you've got a couple guys in the middle of that lineup who aren't going to be like a black hole behind Correa and Arise and Buxton. The guy that I need to see step up who hasn't yet is Max Kepler. Now Max Kepler mm -hmm. had a foot injury a few weeks ago, and since the foot, he has been abysmal. I think he had one big game on Monday where he had multiple hits. Otherwise, he has been kind of a walking out. I think he had an 0 for 30 skid leading into Monday. Max Kepler has to step up. Um, that is a veteran player who's now been around for eight years. He's got to hit. I mean, he's got to be a piece of this lineup and hit, I don't know, seventh. And he's got to deliver once in a while. He's got 30 home run power. We've seen it from him in the Bomba Squad season. So I need to see more from Max Kepler. We like his defense. Got to see more from his bat. Um, and I can always ask more from Correa. I feel like Correa has not quite been the hitter we expected. Stuck on 39 RBIs going into yesterday, Luke. I mean, we're almost into yeah, September crazy. here. And he's he's going to yeah. struggle to get 50 RBIs. So uh, 275, what, 13 or so home runs. It, it hasn't been a spectacular year by any means for Correa. So I think there's more meat on the bone with him as well. Yeah, with that Max Kepler foot injury, seeing just how, you're right, he went 3 for 4 Monday with 3 RBIs, but yeah, 0 for 30 up until that point. With that foot injury as a coach, is it something that you let him ride out that slump, or is it something to say, clearly this is affecting your game, it's lingering big enough to where it's affecting you at the play, we should just shelf you for 15 days and let you get fully acclimated. I mean, what do you do there, knowing that, okay, the trainers are saying, well, he's healthy enough to go, but clearly something's off here, and it's probably not a coincidence to just happen after that foot injury yeah and I think part of it too is just the organizational lack of depth right now I don't know if they have right. a great option like I mean they they've right they've used Tim Beckham and Mark Contreras and, and they they do have I've, you always have bodies to use but is anybody like offering you what Kepler can offer you when he's playing well probably not I think you keep trying to roll the dice and saying all right you know, if, if we had an Alex Kirilov to throw out there, it's a different mm -hmm. story, but they don't anymore. You know, they've, they've lost so many players that I think they, they feel like Kepler is just a better bet to play at 80% than some of their rookies who really have never been in a pennant race before. So I get the logic behind it, and obviously you want to give your veterans the benefit of the doubt, and there's very few twins who've been along around longer than Max Kepler. 
Um, but it is tough to see him struggle like he is when you're counting on that bat in your lineup to be contributing. You look at the young studs there. Kirilov, 24 years old. Uh, Luis Arise, 25 years old. Miranda, 25 years old. Nick Gordon, obviously, a young guy drafted in the top five, maybe six overall a couple years ago. And then Royce Lewis is going to be coming up. And again, I mentioned Brooks Lee. And, and you know, if Carlos Correa sticks around, just a healthy young lineup here that the Twins have, a good core uh, to build off for sure. Day off today, then staying at home right here in the backyard. You mentioned it, at Target Field for a four-game stand with the Rangers. Twins need to ride this momentum here, get hot, or things could get bleak and dark again real quick with Cleveland looking like they're just building some momentum of their own over there. All right, time has come. My favorite segments here. Sam and I are busting out our top five lists, and we're doing so with the Minnesota Vikings as we rank our top five players that we have ranked for your upcoming fantasy football draft. Sam, it's fantasy season. Your draft's probably coming up any day now. We're taking a look through the fantasy lens here and rankings, which players to target on the Vikings specifically. Let's start at number five here. I'll kick things off. Number five for me, Kirk Cousins. And quarterback, Always a little bit more watered down of position in fantasy unless you grab one of the top tier guys like Mahomes, Herbert, Lamar, guys like that. They all start to blend in a little bit. Last year, you probably could have got Kirk for two bucks in your auction or waited till the 10th or 11th round to draft him. But he's got to be on this list because I think he's not only going to have a great season, I think he's going to post his best statistical season of his career. This guy has the potential to throw for 50 touchdowns in this offense, and he's going near the end of most of all drafts. He's like the 13th, 14th drafted quarterback. So great value. Don't overthink this one. Try to grab Cousins maybe around earlier than you think because I think he's just going to be great value this year. All right, my number five, Luke. Uh, I'm going to go with Irv Smith Jr. And I think I don't think this is about raw points. I think this is about positional value. You get one tight end in your starting lineup. And how many, like, clear-cut number one tight ends are there in this league? You know, tight ends that produce are hard to come by. Obviously, you've got Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, the thousand-yard kind of guys. And then you've kind of got that middle tier where you're hoping to get, you know, 700 yards. You're hoping, like... Uh, Dalton Schultz, Gronk last year, Zach Ertz. I think Irv Smith Jr. can be in that the top 10 tight ends in the NFL because who's competing with him at the tight end position on this team? Not really anybody. So if he's healthy, I think he's the one tight end on the field. I think Cook is in the backfield. I think there's three wide receivers. I don't think there's going to be as much two tight end action as uh, we saw last year. So Irv could get the lion's share of the tight end work on this team. I think he could be a 750-yard guy. So for the tight end position, I think that you want to get Irv on your fantasy team. So he's my number five. I love it. Try to get Irv on the list. Couldn't do it, but glad you called him out there. Definitely my honorable mention. Number four for me, KJ Osborne. Listen, he's going to get undervalued because he's the number three wide receiver on the team, but coming off a breakout year, 50 catches, almost 800 yards, seven TDs, and that was under Mike Zimmer and Clint Kubiak. He enters the third year in the league, which is often known as the big breakout year for wideouts, and we've all seen in camp, He's going to be a serious part of this offense. And by week seven, when JJ's getting triple covered and Dalvin is hobbled by an injury, Osborne is in line for some major weeks from a production standpoint. And even when he's not putting up monster numbers, Kirk has looked his way early and often a lot during training camp. I think he'll be very consistent and have a high floor with a handful of targets every week, which is what you want, especially if you're in some of those PPR leagues. Number four, Sam, who you got? 
Yeah, I'll go Kirk. Um, I'll go Kirk Cousins, number four. I'm looking at his his average as a Viking per season. 31 touchdowns, nine picks, uh, over 4,000 yards, 4,096. That, that, that is a representative fantasy quarterback with a very high floor. He's giving you nothing running-wise, and that docks him in a lot of drafts. But when you can pick him up in round seven or eight of your draft, and you can almost, you know, in pen, write 30 touchdowns in, that's pretty solid. Um, he's not going to get hurt on you. You're not going to have to go find another quarterback midseason except during the bye week. So I think Kirk still is a good fantasy bet. I've got him number four. Yeah, I love that one. Number three for me, Adam Thielen. Listen, I know he's getting up there in age now. He looks a tick slower even coming into the season when I was out at training camp. But that's okay because speed was never his game. That's not how he won. And he's going to be a major factor as the wide receiver. Two in this offense, JJ's going to get a lot of attention. Even if he misses a few games or doesn't have those 10 reception games, he still wins in the red zone and he's going to excel there this year. 10 TDs last year. 14 TDs the year prior. Expect some three catch games where two of them are touchdowns. I think everyone's going to spend all their money and their top five picks on JJ, and that's fine. I think from a value standpoint, though, Thielen is just as valuable for how much he's going to go for and where you can get him in those drafts. Adam Thielen, don't write him off just yet just because he's getting a little bit up there in age. I think he's going to be a big fantasy producer this year. Number three for you, who you got? Yeah, I like Thielen as well, but I think that he's so good, actually, as a fantasy producer that I've got him, I'm going to spoil it, I've got him higher than three. Uh, so I've got Dalvin Cook, number three. His three-year average with the Vikings, Luke, you take out the ACL year, you take out 2018, where it was a hamstring. Uh, his three-year average, he's averaging 1,300 yards on the ground, almost 12 touchdowns per year on the ground. That's a good fantasy back in a league where there's constantly – um, you know, two-headed, three-headed monsters in the backfield. Cook still, I think, probably a little bit reduced in his touches this year with O'Connell, but still clearly a featured back on this team. So if he can give you 1,312 and maybe 40 receptions on top of that, uh, that's a big fantasy season, probably a, a top five fantasy season as running backs go. So he's my number three. Yeah, number two for me, it's Dalvin Cook. I'm not going to sit here and reiterate and spew out the same stuff you did, but some things don't change, and running back is still the most valuable position in fantasy. That's why I have him ranked at number two. It gets so thin so quick on draft day at that position. You got to make sure you got at least two good starting running backs. How does KOC balance this high-octane passing games? Pass, pass, pass. That's all we've heard ever since he was hired. With Dalvin Cook in the running game, I still think they're going to run the ball a lot, and Think about, for the first time in Cook's career here in the NFL, how the passing game is now going to open up running lanes for him. They're going to pass to set up the running games. Always been the other way around. Mike Zimmer, old school, stubborn, run the ball with eight, nine men in the box 30 times a game no matter what. He's going to see a lot of extra room, a lot of open running lanes this year for the first time. And we know what he can do out in space on top of that. How involved does he get in the passing game as well? If you're in a PPR league, I think he catches the most passes he's ever caught in his career. We saw how good he was out of the backfield at Florida State. I'm excited for his potential. Just needs to stay healthy. In his five years in the NFL, he's averaged 11.2 games per year. Not enough if you're going to draft him in the top five, top seven, top eight in your league. You need that 15, 16 game production from Dalvin. But if he can do that, if he can stay on the field and stay healthy, he's a top three running back, no doubt. Number two for you, who you got? Yeah, I'm going to go Thielen. 
Um, and I put him above Cook because, you know, number one, maybe part of me fears that Cook will have some carries and maybe some goal line carries vultured by like Madison and, and Wangwu. But I also think that you look at the last two years of production for Thielen, even with the injury last year, 24 touchdowns in two years, and the passing game is only going to get more robust, more frequent. The reception total should go up. I think that Jefferson and Osborne might be the downfield threats on this team, which would mean Thielen can get more receptions underneath. And in the PPR leagues, that's you know incredibly valuable. I think he could be sitting on you know a 90-catch season if he stays healthy. And when Thielen stays healthy for every game, Luke, I mean, he puts up massive numbers. He had a 1,276-yard season, a 1,373-yard season, and then a 967 uh, when he didn't start you know, every game in 2016. So I think he's, he's definitely got 1,000-yard, 1,200-yard potential on this roster if he stays healthy. That is a little bit of a question mark after you know injuries two of the last three years. But I think Thielen, just with the emphasis on the passing game, is going to have a big fantasy year. Love it. Number one for me, no surprise here. JJ, 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 that's all we've heard. Let's check out the Cooper Cup stats one more time. 191 targets last year, 145 catches, nearly 2,000 yards, and 16 touchdowns. Listen, Justin Jefferson has a viable case to be drafted number one overall over Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey, Devontae Adams, all those guys, because of what KOC is going to draw up for him. We saw it yesterday during practice. JJ motions from the slot and ends up in the backfield before the snap. You get him matched up on a linebacker, runs a little angle route, poof, there's 30, 40 yards. Big chunk plays. I expect to see it early and often. And yeah, he could get hobbled. He could get triple covered. I still think it's not going to matter. JJ is such an elite talent. We know from the first two years, again, under Mike Zimmer and the Clint Kubiak system, what he can do. Now under KOC, the sky's the limit. Hopefully, like you mentioned, what's the one thing that can hold him back? Hopefully the hype isn't too big now. I mean, because again, people are expecting him to overtake Devontae and Cooper Cup and be the number one receiver in the NFL. But certainly the stars are aligning. The coaching staff, the quarterback, the offensive line looks better. He's got a running game. He's got weapons around him in Thielen and Osborne. I certainly think J.J. could end the year as the number one fantasy player in the entire NFL. No surprise here, number one. Who you no got? surprise. It's Johnny Munt with a bullet. Johnny Munt is the number one <laughs> fantasy player on the Vikings. C.J. Hand, third and 12, two yard out to C.J. Boom, lock it up. Hey, see, they love C.J. on fourth down in Baltimore. They do. Yeah, Justin's going to have a big year, and it's really not its not a question who's number one here. I mean, the, the total yardage he's likely to amass, probably like three, 400 yards more than the next closest person um, or more. Could be five, 600 if the, you know, things go the way the Vikings want. I think the touchdown total, that's, that's the only thing I wonder about with him. Like, is he going to be the guy who always scores uh, in the red zone, or is that going to be a lot of Thielen, Irv, and KJ? I think that part gets you know, mixed around. But I think between the 20s, Justin Jefferson is the biggest threat on this football team. And he's going to be gone by pick five in virtually every fantasy draft. I love it. There you go. That's our top five rankings for Vikings in your fantasy football drafts coming up. And that's a wrap today. Back here tomorrow with the round table with myself, Sam, and Ron Johnson breaking down more twins, Vikings, plenty more. Remember, you got to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join us every day for another episode covering all the biggest topics in Minnesota sports. We're a podcast too, free and available, all platforms. Subscribe. 
Drop us that five-star review. Take us everywhere on the go. He's Sam Ekstrom. Follow him on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Special thanks to our producer, Matt DeBritz. Tune in tomorrow to Lockdown Sports Minnesota. For Sam, I'm Luke. Until tomorrow, signing out. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 